0: Well, Bernie, I I think um, maybe just to start, to to share, I don't know if there are, I don't think that there are copies here of the book, but there's a, um, I believe there's a QR code maybe on the bulletin if people are interested in getting this. Um, The Wolfert letters, um, family and friend correspondences during World War II um, that you edited and translated. So I wonder if you could tell us just to start out with, like, a little backstory of how this, Came to: be.
1: It's, Yeah, it's kind of a uh, <coughs> long story, and I will uh, the highlights. Well A long time ago, <laughs> 54 years ago, uh, I came home. I was in the Peace Corps. I came home. And I had hepatitis. I spent some time at Kathmandu uh, Mission Hospital and Walter Reed. I came home skinny, bearded, with funny baggage. And my dad, my father picked me up at the airport and he says, you know, there is a Dutch girl staying at our house. As a matter of fact, she's sleeping in your room. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and she is kind of a shy, and she looks kind of funny. She'll so be nice.
0: <laughs>
1: and I knew my dad, and it it really raised my expectations. <laughs> and so I walked in the door, and uh, I fell in love instantly. Now this is uh, it was a it was like. Like I said, it was like speed dating on steroids <laughs> because her visa was about to run out. So we had to compress a lot of language and a lot of affection in that time. And so I met Corey, and Corey happened, she came to the United States on a student visa in what year was it? 1960? 63, 60, I think she said. And a student visa. Now, and to, to, visit, and to visit her brothers. Uh, Simon and Ryan who had immigrated years previously to become farmers while one year farm working on a farm has changed their uh, <laughs> dreams uh, altered their <laughs> dreams and they, be, they became involved in uh, migrant immigrant work while they were working in new era region and they decided to go to college to to help as Simon became a pastor and he ended up in Brazil with liberation theology and Ryan, when he became a teacher in Holland and was involved with the, the, uh, uh, the Latin community. And so, Corey had to leave, it was a long goodbye. And what really affected me in our story is Corey had adopted my father. And she had, and he was honored to be, you know, a father. And so, and her story is heart-wrenching. It's because her father was killed, murdered, when she was one years old, not even. And it's for a child. We cannot ask of a child to understand why your father made those choices to risk his family and his wife's life, what, What? What? as a child, you're not, you can't understand that. So while I visited in the Netherlands a month after that, we talked about Dr. Cory's mother who was very, uh, came, she explained about the war, and she did not become very emotional. And I said, how, how come you're not affected by the stories, that, the questions I ask." He says, I put all my faith in my Lord. I have put everything at his feet. I will meet him when I die, and he will explain it to me. And myself and my family will be in his presence and you know, and her demeanor, her joy of living, and almost made me a, a believer. <laughs> you know, it's it's a. We all need something to rely on. and I'm, I'm talking about this community. We share a lot of values, but how strong? And the question was morning was, are you willing to die for these values? Is and, and so, it? So, did that? Did I explain? Yeah, yeah, that? I think so. <laughs>
0: I'm sure there's not was. every,
1: not a, not, a, not every answer. Is well, that
0: as as I was, uh, whoops, there it goes. I didn't touch it. I promise. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> That's better. Um, as I was preparing for this, as you and I were having conversations, and I was telling Andy, my husband, about this, I said. We've got about twenty minutes, and this could be a you know two or three hour movie with hundreds of hours of footage on the cutting room floor um so the entire story is impossible to encapsulate in this time and um please come to talk back if you're you know wanting to hear more um just to put in a quick plug for that um but you said you said so much there and um a lot of the questions that I have are sort of echoes of the questions that you ask yourself as you were writing some notes and whatnot. And, yeah. and one of the ones that stood out to me when we spoke recently was, how do people prepare themselves to risk in times of trouble? <clears throat> what did you learn
1: through what, all of this? What I what I learned about first, a father was a pastor. In a town called Marienbad, it was close to the German border. And it was the first stop, a railroad stop, the first stop in, in the Netherlands from Germany. Jeline, I mean, her father and mother had before the war in the 30s, all the refi- the political refugees already came across the border. And that the and their parsonage was right across from the railroad station. So they, they became involved, and her father, Peter, decided he knew what the storm was coming because of, of, of the rumors that, and he to prepare his congregation to face that, and it's, first of all, it's a strong religious belief, also, it's a community that has the, the trust, they trust each other. So, he, so he made his mission to prepare the congregation, and and when the time came, they were ready. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Does that answer or it follow up? <laughs> <laughs> it well, could, well, go ahead. Well, I mean, it, you know, on May t- on May tenth. The Germans leapfrogged the western, eastern defense of, of the Netherlands and uh, bombed Rotterdam and the harbor complex and other cities. And within a few days, the Wehrmacht, the German forces, came across the border in five days of fighting and threats to bomb other cities in the Netherlands and, and bomb the dikes well, in the Netherlands. Two-fifths of the country is below sea level, the western part. So to bomb the dikes would be devastating. So they surrendered. And within months, the Germans had uh, occupied. uh, They were well prepared. Okay, All system authorities were replaced. The Queen and the government and the Dutch Navy had already evacuated or fled or whatever <laughs> to, to, uh, to England. So they had a system in place and all the police force, all uh, mayors, mayors were a different towns. So they were very efficient. Except the churches were the only independent bodies that remained. In 19, in, in 1941, they were the f- it was the first, first time that a church openly, when uh, the, the Jews, the, uh, the, the thing is the birth, all birth registers were cut. So when the Germans came, they went through the registers and found, because, and the Jews, were named by Jew. In their profession, their address, so they were told to leave their positions. They were not qualified, and it just. And the people in, in the church saw that uh, saw the coming. They they saw that, that that's because they had heard of the, the persecutions across the border, so they signed the churches. Mostly Protestants, uh, the. Baptists in a liberal uh, a progressive Christian church, signed a document by name. their names. So they became the target of the Germans immediately. so and they did what st- they did withstand a lot of a lot of pastors were killed uh, a lot of, but they withstood st- the times the, the bad times. so from That resistance, a national resistance developed. Uh, They were joined by the Catholic Church and by the Communist Party and by the Labour Party. And they became responsible for uh, downed pilots, Jewish families, uh, uh, false identity papers, and uh, also, in one thousand, nine hundred and forty-four, it became a uh, Knackploeg. It its armed resistance, and organized to organize all the different sectors in one unit. It became that's about.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, a through line it seems like of what you're talking about that's come up a lot is faith, yeah. churches, God. And thinking of this community, and today, and like you said in your meditation, some of the evils that we're facing, what can we learn from how they moved through that time, especially if our point of reference um, is different, um, or, yeah, just different.
1: Well, again, uh, A lot of people at C3 are active in the community. And that's what it takes to make changes. You have to get involved. The side part is that, like in the Netherlands, our parents thought they were, (laughs) you know, among a large group of people risking their lives, it turns out the solid majority was really a majority. And so we can never, as a community, we have to build up enough trust and, and also just develop and I mean, or, or to withstand, that's all I can say, because we have we have to trust each other. We have to. We don't. We don't face <laughs> execution or or anything mm-hmm. like that yet. But hey, who knows? We can never take for granted the power over evil. So.
0: Yeah, that gets into the. It can't happen here.
1: Well, I mean, it would be foolish to say mm-hmm. that because we've been saying that about Trump. Can't happen. It can't happen. Mm-hmm. They have millions of followers. Isn't that a scary thought?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To me, that is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and their language violence is the their message and we and i think we can oppose violence with listening and listening for those voices that recognize their uh, recognize evil and be support. That's all we can do.
0: During pre-talk, um, there were sharing of stories of people's witness of events like this. Yeah. And and this book is witness to um, those atrocities. And it struck me that we are, um, we're going to run out of witnesses <laughs> at least as living human beings. And. How do we, the best way I can put it is how do we stay horrified by what happened so that we don't fall into the trap of thinking it can't happen here or that won't happen again?
1: Um, Yeah, that that is a problem because people are very good at rationalizing and Taking risk is not everyone's choice. So again, I I, can talk about community.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm amazed that we have an idea, a separation of church and state, but I'm very confused that churches are not more vocal. Some believers even I mean the our evangelical community has abandoned all kinds of common sense of a vision so I, I I still think to build our community that's mm-hmm. that's,
0: mm-hmm. that's you keep passing these stories on <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah well no it, well the uh, well the, the <laughs> do you want to <laughs> I'm In the Netherlands, when I went to school, in the high school, the Holocaust was a must. The history of the Holocaust was a must. Also, what was interesting in in the Netherlands, schools are responsible for maintaining the graves of the liberators, the American, and the Canadian uh, cemeteries, which are immaculate, and it, and it kind of is a, a way to remind you, to show the gratefulness or the the value of Americans and Canadians that gave their life to save a country. And so, uh, it's still going on, right, Corey, in the Netherlands. So they, you, you 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 make that a you know, it's 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 a good idea for young people to to be aware of that. Well, Corey was talking about uh, her mother after the war took part in an exchange, uh, German teenagers and Dutch teenagers, and I I thought that it was an amazing thing for Corey's mom, who became very involved in church to, and to to, to to kind of look into the future to end hate and also. The Dutch do not celebrate victory anymore. There's no victory celebration. They make it a Memorial Day. Because after the war, when the party was over, they realized that 120,000 Jews were removed from the Netherlands. Neighbors, friends, your butcher, tailors teachers. Only 20,000 were saved. And it put a damper on the the victory parade. So right now well certain governors are suppressing stories slavery. I mean it's it's foolish to do that. It's because, you know, our memories are, you know, we have, we have other interests, and we have to keep that memory alive, so. Yeah. Anything else? And did I miss, I can go forever,
0: <laughs> Well, I was gonna ask just but, that, a, a, like a wrap-up question of anything oh, that okay, we, good, yeah. anything that we didn't <laughs> talk about that you really want this community to know that you feel like it's important
1: well i just i just yeah uh, I, I think I said that you know, didn't I is there any are there any other questions <laughs> so i I feel very strong about this community, period, you know like. And I want to hear more about individuals and also encouragement and, 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 and support. So that's... Yeah, thank you. It's a minutes over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. and we, you know, we have a talk back yep. and I do have like pamphlets and all that just to pass around just to get it. And I, I want you to touch some, some like a newspaper that was, that's a, just a leaf. I want you to touch it because it was printed on the, on the threat of death. It was distributed with the, and it was possessed and passed on with, under tremendous amount of stress and it, it did happen. And there's also a newspaper that was published. The Netherlands, the, the west part of the Netherlands was bypassed. So the eastern part of the Netherlands was liberated and right in 45, I want to show you the the, the a magazine that says about hate. Do not treat the Germans like the Germans treated you. You know, and 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 to say that right when the country is not even liberated was very courageous of a newspaper, I think is to, to address that, the revenge, there's this, this idea of revenge.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a remarkable okay. collection. So please do take a look yeah, at it. And, okay. Yeah, and, and stay and ask Bernie questions. And uh, thank you so much, Bernie, for yeah, sharing this. Thank you for uh, keeping me yep. on track. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <Yeah. laughs>